Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. This is the Soho Radio Podcast, showcasing some of the best broadcasts from our online radio station right from the heart of Soho, London. Across our music and culture channels, we have a wide range of shows covering every genre, along with chat shows, discussions and special broadcasts. Here is just one of our recent shows. To catch the full show, head to our Mixcloud page or listen live at SohoRadioLondon.com. What's up, everybody? It's Alex. And I'm Nick. You're listening to The Thread, presented by Hennessy. On SohoRadioLondon.com. That was Taking a Chance on Love from a new Love in Berlin album that they've just released on Verve Records, Ella Fitzgerald. In fact, our special guest that's just joined us will be able to maybe tell us a bit more about that because I don't know too much, but I know I think it came out a couple of years after Live in Berlin. But anyway, that's another story. Just before that, we played Butcher Brown, a track off the new one, very kind of Tower of Power vibes, loving that one. And started with... Samora Pinderhues, yep. Hold That Weight. Listen, Samora Pinderhues' new EP, EP that he just dropped. NPR did something on it. I listened to it last night. Man, this guy's for real. First time I heard his voice was with August Green, right? The kind of super group with Robert Glasper in common. But, you know, there's, there's some singers where there's just a really distinct thing about their voice where you, they could kind of sing the phone book. And for me, he is that. I don't know all of his back catalog, but I, I can tell after listening to that, like, well, here I go. I'm going to get into all this stuff. Really love him. Uh, speaking of vocals, t- today's going to be fun because we're friends with this person that's, that's with us here today. We're quite, we're, we're good friends. And unfortunately, she had, not unfortunate for her because she's got to run off and do a gig later. Had she not had to run off to do a gig, this this day might have progressed into something a lot more fun with drinks and everything. Because I, I, we've worked with this person for a few years. We love this person. And she's a chameleon, which is what I wanted to talk to her about today. Uh, welcome, Emma Smith, to the 105th episode of The Thread. Woo! Hello, Soho Radio. Oh, my God, it's so good to see you both. Nick and Al, my fam, my Soho fam, actually. I feel very at home here. I'm sat with uh, one Dr. Martin on the table, which I might get shouted out <laughs> for in a minute. And I'm obsessed with your T-shirt, Alex. Oh, yes. Louis Theroux's a, a hero of mine. He so does I a good s- line in ironic tees, yeah. Alex, at all points. It's fantastic. It's, it's got a picture of Louis Theroux on it. It says, I got to get through this. I saw it and I thought, you know what? It's for the times. It's amazing and actually um, very fitting because I've been listening to his podcast whenever I've been driving. He did a podcast through lockdown called Grounded. Yes. Yeah. It's so insightful and brilliant. Yeah. His, his yeah, I mean, I could talk about Luther all day. <laughs> and let's begin. Find that, find that urge. <laughs> so we've got till six, right? Well, let's talk about Emma. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you. So... Where do we begin? So uh, you are Emma Smith, but you go by some other names as well, and you have a lot of artistic projects. And I've seen you sing in a lot of different ways. Mm. And I'm trying to form a good question here. I mean, 
you, I really, really rate you as a singer. <clears throat> like, uh, you can scat freaking anything. I've seen you sing pure jazz. And then I, you just released this project, Paddy Corduroy, with Rob. And we're going to play some of that later. And I, it hit me in the side of the, the side of the head. And I'm just wondering, like, wh at what point do you make the decision to, to dive into a project? You know, because it seems that uh, you could kind of do anything. So, so wh when, do you, when do you commit to, uh, to a project? Because Paddy Corduroy, it's not like you guys just plugged in and said, oh, let's, let's have a jam. I mean, it's really arranged stuff. And to sing the to do the Ella project that you just gigged when you're dedicating a big portion of yourself to singing Ella, which is a huge undertaking. How do you make these decisions of of, of diving into something? Well, firstly, thank you so much. That's very kind of you to say so. And it's also um, it's a blessing and a curse. And I know other singers that that have gone through the same kind of roller coaster with many different genres and then many different projects that they've dived headfirst into and then found that the next thing is completely different and I have done that for the 10 years of my career so far pretty much I've been part of some absolutely incredible projects and I've led projects that have gone really well and then sort of just come to a natural end and then I've gone straight into the next one I can't sit still I just simply mm -hmm. can't I always want to grow I'm obsessed with music I listen to every kind of genre going and um and have found myself just wanting to do it rather than just enjoying the music as a punter and as a, a music fan who also happens to be a musician. I'm like, I've got to have a go at it. I think it might be to do with my ADHD, mm. um, which has been amazing because I feel like I've grown and stretched myself in so many different areas. Um, yet there's something about this year right. and I'm turning 30 in three months. Not that that's a big deal at all, but for some reason... My life has kind of, this particular chapter has sort of aligned with me turning 30 this year and I've felt a natural commitment to myself and my own authentic sound finally and I'm really glad that it's taken me 10 years of doing different projects, being a side woman, um, you know, doing trio work and all kind of bits and bobs we're definitely going to chat about to finally sort of settle on, um, I don't know if I've settled on a sound yet, but I've settled on a commitment to finding it. Mm. Um, and that's really exciting. And I feel ready to be an artist uh, and be myself, be Emma Smith. Because mm. I have had many different names. I've had many different um, sounds attached to me. Uh, one of them that I, I am going to be be dragging through, you know, um, and, and sticking by is Patty Cordroy. Uh, it is very different to my jazz stuff and my sort of more classic blue note sounding style that I've been developing with my band over the last year, which I, uh, which is the kind of sound that I'm going to head into head first, which is all the scatting and all the swing and that kind of rootsy jazz. But Patty Cordroy is just the most fun thing in the world. Well, yeah, we're fans of that project. I mean, how did that come about? Because it's it seems like you two just indulging in a in a. a certain style of music that you both love yeah. and you can really just go all out on million chord changes mm. and harmonies and yeah it's great <laughs> so for those of you who don't know um patty cordroy is a duo project with the genius bass player producer and all-round musical god robin malarkey he is he, a musical god isn't he, he also happens to be my neighbor and um, one of my best mates in the whole world his brain is just mad, guys. Like, I could sit and watch him producing and making beats and playing chords, whether it's on his bass or on some bizarre synth, one of which I actually watched him make from scratch. I no. watched him make a synth, yeah, including, what do they call it, the thing that melts metal and sticks metal Sorry. on metal? Sorry. That. Sorry. 
I watched him solder a synth. Oh my god! From scratch, it was like and a show thought, and tell project. I want to be in a band with that guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, we got to make some music on that soldering machine right now. Yeah. So um, I wanted to kind of just dive into his brain and see whether I could make any music on top of his crazy beats in bizarre time signatures. I love the challenge. I've, I've probably communicated that I like weird stuff already and like to stretch myself. Well, yeah, that, <laughs> we're going to play a tune now from Paddy Corduroy. But I was just thinking as you were talking about finding your way and. and diving into these separate projects i mean there's no reason i don't know i feel like there's an added pressure on singers right because if you were a drummer or a guitar player or a piano player like nobody would question the fact that you're doing rock and then you're doing jazz and then you're doing mm. and stuff. it's like you know but when you're a, i feel like when you're a singer maybe there's a different pressure there yes and mm. no al like i think it's a weird one if you want to be an artist you want to lead a band and put put music out there that people are going to grab onto and, and understand. Like, looking at mates of mine, like Reuben James, who I know is mm. obviously a, a friend of the show and of you guys, and uh, people like Soweto Kinch, who is another mate, and, and artists like Robert Glasper and Amber Ozaki Missouri. Like, when they put mm. a record out, yeah, they're, they're not singers as such, although I know Reuben's obviously doing his thing. It, it has got a through concept, and it's got a clear sound, and that could change for the next record. But... um. I think that's the difference between leading as an artist and being a brilliant musician. And um, I want to be both. And I feel like I've, I'm at a stage where I can now have a go at, uh, at a proper project under my own name. Mm. Does that make sense? It does. Let's listen to some Paddy Corduroy. So we started with Patty Corduroy, one of Emma's uh, projects with the fantastic Robin Malarkey. And then we played a choice by Emma. Emma's given us an embarrassment of riches of amazing <laughs> tunes. And um, we thought Michael Mayo would be a good one because, well, that's a new name to, uh, to Alex and me. Did you want to uh, say a little bit about him? Michael Mayo has been a big influence on me throughout Corona season. Um Robin Malarkey, my partner in Patty Cordroy, uh, introduced me to him because he was meant to be going on tour with Michael, uh, with Jacob Collier, a world tour which got postponed. Um, and he said to me, oh, Em, you've got to check this guy out. And I don't know about you guys, but I always get like really overwhelmed by checking out new music because I'm like, yeah. I know what I like and I like what I like. Now stop forcing new things on me. But as soon as I heard him, I was like, oh, Lord, this is... No joke. He really is goals. Hashtag goals. Hard hashtag mm. goals. Um, his Instagram is just filled with unbelievable transcriptions. He just took down a, a New York piano player, Aaron Parks, solo, which I cannot believe a human can actually copy with their mouth. 
Um, when I say transcribe, I mean like um, to learn how to sing along with a musician's improvised solo, which is pretty much how I filled my time in lockdown. Right, Brilliant. we saw some of those. Yeah. Thank you. We yeah, played, uh, we played some Freddie Hubbard earlier because the I saw you did. Oh, yeah. what birdlike yeah. was it? Was it birdlike? You did hub tones, didn't you? Hub tones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Oh my god, that took me so long. <laughs> <laughs> but Michael Mayo really challenged me, and I thought, well, if he can do it, then that means that it's possible. So let's go. You know, I've I've spent time um, transcribing and learning to sing solos like. Freddie Hubbard, Grant Green, Oscar Peterson, um, Till Brunner, amazing trumpet player yeah. based in Germany. Germany yeah. And uh, it's been like one of those things that I genuinely love it. I find it so satisfying, really challenging. Um, and people seem to like it. It's, people always say, you know, do what you love and what you love, it's going to be infectious and people are going to enjoy it. And I'm like, no, 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 do what people love. And that's mm -hmm. kind of been my attitude throughout <laughs> my younger years as a musician. Um, Having the kind of having a musical family that have always worked for other people and been brilliantly successful as composers and sidemen and arrangers and conductors, I've always had this sort of story going on throughout my career of, you know, do the job really well, Emma. Make sure that you do. And of course, everyone wants to do the job really mm. well, but um, there's, it's almost been like you can't do the job really well and also do what you love at the same time. Weirdly, mm. and as time's gone on, that's been my story anyway. Mm. I've realised mm. that that's not true. And I guess doing my transcriptions on online um, has sort of proved that to me. It's so niche and nerdy. <laughs> yeah, but I, I, I think the the dot join in there is like when when you're doing something you really love, that translates. So that that if you're a listener or a viewer, you're going to see that mm -hmm. like that connection. I I forget who told me, but somebody was saying the most important thing about mu music is like that the person performing with the tune is connecting with it on a visceral level. And like if, if whether it's your tune or not, that's, I think that's the, the magic bit, right? Absolutely. That, that, that you can't deny. So if you love something so much and it's coming from you, then, you know, it doesn't matter mm. if it's, it's country or jazz or rock or whatever it is, you know, completely. Absolutely. And I think that's the same with the Patty Cordroy stuff. Like Rob and I genuinely love it. It's such a passion project. We never thought that a tune like Never Before, which was the first one you played just then, uh, it's a tune with three key changes. It's in 9-4. <laughs> it's bizarre as hell. There's about 40,000 instruments going on. We never thought that it would connect. and But we put it out anyway because we loved it and we believed that there would be some ears that it would fall on and make people smile. And it did. And I, I'm like still kind of in shock. Like people loved 9-4. <laughs> um, as the tune was playing, I was saying to Al and Nick, like, can you dance in 9-4? And amazingly, Al, I mean, it, you don't quite realise that it is in an odd time signature until you break it down because yeah. of the way that Rob and I have worked on it to make it feel natural and singable. It's got that kind of cyclical motion to it. Um, just because it's complicated doesn't mean that it doesn't it, it can't be singable. Mm. So that's something that we always try and try and work. work yeah, with. I mean, I, I would love to be a fly on the wall when you work because you know doing those transcriptions you've done and, and composing tunes like that. I mean, you have um, you definitely have to get your hands dirty. You know, you have to get into like every bar and really get really meticulous. But I think yeah, it, when I listen to that tune or any of the Patty Corduroy stuff, I, it doesn't feel brainy to me. I don't feel like I've got to be in a intense headspace to get it through you know it, it does feel fairly natural so congrats Some, something you touched on earlier uh, a family of musicians could could we uh, i know sort of jumping back to the beginning what was your entry into music what what got you oh goodness um yeah i, I have a very bizarre family 
of musicians <laughs> and just bizarre family, full stop. <laughs> but it all started with my grandfather. You may notice that I have a tattoo of a trombone on my arm, which is kind of Everyone's um, favourite niche. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone instantly heads to the bar. Um, my grandfather was a trombone player who uh, grew up in the East End of London and was the first musician in our family. He would walk past, I can say this now because he's passed away and he's not going to be incriminated by it, but he would walk past a music shop every day on his way to the Docklands where he was an apprentice working on the ships. And he'd see this trombone in the, uh, in the music shop in a glass case and it was about to come to signing up to the wartime. Excuse my very dumbed down version of this story. Yeah. But uh, you had to sign up to the war and either go and fight or do this or do that. And there was the option to be in a band, like an army band. And he just knew he loved music and he wanted to play the trombone. And he, uh, one night, they had no money in the East End. And he, one night, broke in and smashed the glass and stole the trombone. And went into the woods at Walthamstow and practiced the trombone until he could play the pieces by ear that were for the audition. And he got into the army band. And ten years later, he was playing with Frank Sinatra. So (laughs) (laughs) there's a lot of story in between. But uh, it's kind of the... um, the lineage of where I come from <laughs> wow. is pretty like rebellious, like ambitious. And if you've got your eye on the prize, whatever you need to do to get it, you will get it. Yeah. <laughs> so that was my granddad. And then he went on to play with Oscar Peterson and Shirley Bassey and Barbara Streisand and Sammy Davis and Tom Jones. And the list wow. really goes on. I've got so many records that my granddad played on. And with Ronnie at Ronnie Scott's. I went to Ronnie Scott's when I was five years old for the first time. So it's wow. pretty amazing that I now play there How on the I regs. How did I not know any of this? That's <laughs> crazy that's wild because we're normally drunk (laughs) (laughs) oops and so what kind of what kind of records were you absorbing growing up um mainly big band music yeah my my grandma was obviously in in the big band kind of era that golden era of the 60s playing down here in in soho at the palladium every saturday night and doing friday night as music night with the bbc and Blah, blah, blah. Then my dad was a big band arranger, trumpet player. He did Nigel with Guy Barker for years and they were arranging a lot together and kind of had that community spirit that we have here in London on the jazz scene where someone raises the bar and then we meet the bar and then the next person raises the bar. Right. And the, Do you know what I mean? It's, it was that kind of thing mm-hmm. back in the, I guess, late 70s, early 80s when it transitioned from acoustic instruments to electronic instruments. Um, and my mum's a sax player um, all my brothers and cousins are musicians. My auntie was in the West End. My uncle's a lead trumpet player. My other uncle's a bass player. Right. And it's, okay. it's really it like on. jazz, wow. jazz rooted though. You know, proper like big band yeah. swinging, classic sort of jazz. When you think of that that word. Um, so I did grow up around big band music. The first thing I ever heard of Ella was Can't Buy Me Love. You know, the Beatles cover she does with the big band, and that's something that I still sing to this day. And yeah, I guess it was the original postmodern jukebox <laughs> singing the Beatles mm. with the big band. So that's kind of been the origins of my inspiration. Let's Amazing. let's play some jazz then, some horn. You you put a Ben Wendell tune in, didn't you? Yeah. And so then- so going on from the last thing we heard, Michael Mayo features on this with some other brilliant musicians, Gerald Clayton on piano and Ben Wendell, who's absolutely amazing. This has just been released, um, and Ben um, Michael Mayo just is wordless with this, so really shows his improvisatory and instrumental nature of the voice. I guess that I'll have to set you free. And don't fool around me, honey, because I'm an evil man. Don't bother me, darling. Go away, darling. Go away, baby. That's all right. Get somebody else. 
Soho Radio, we're still here with our special guest, our friend Emma Smith. Hello. And um, another of Emma's choices there, Joe Williams. Did you want to say a little bit about oh, why... look at the smile on my face, yeah. Nick. It is no joke. The way that that music sparks joy, thank you, Marie Kondo. It is just unreal. That mm. big band sound, Mel Lewis and Thad Jones Orchestra, and the swagger, personality and attitude mm. of Joe Williams, it's just mm. offensively mm. fun. <laughs> I just want to capture that, you know. Yeah. It's um, it's something that that we don't have so much in in music anymore. Everything is all studio and neat yeah. and like, oh, let's do five hundred takes to make sure every note's perfect. But mm, like, yeah. that they didn't do that back then. Also, time yeah. was money. You know what I mean? It's like right, a couple of goes of this, and we'll choose the best one. So um, I really feel like the the action is captured on on a record like that. So God, I'm inspired. And that's a perfect segue to you know what I think I feel the direction that you're going at the moment you're going back to jazz we've we've established that you've grown up you've all your family are, are great jazz musicians and you know the, the the way that you're moving musically and the single that we're going to hear is is in a jazz direction what's what's led you there after these years in the in the industry i've literally like been going around in circles and trying every other option apart from just like swinging jazz like the one we just heard which put a smile on my face like nothing else has I've tried everything else, really going against the, the grain of, I guess, what's written in my stars from my history mm. and, and the heritage of which I come from. So it's um, it's one of those things where it's almost, after trying everything, I'm like, Do you know what, let's just have a go at this swing thing yeah. again. Let's have a proper go at it. And then realising that the relationship I can have with a trio or, or a, you know, whatever kind of band it may be when we're playing that style of music with that kind of feel and that joy and passion in it like you get with swing and, and, and jazz and blues there's nothing quite like it for me and I'm just going to put my hands up and say this is really the music that I'm at home in yes. I'm glad that I've done everything else I've been signed as a pop artist you know I've had my project Esper which you guys have heard and I'm not saying that I'm going to dead any of that stuff because I need an outlet to write yeah. pop music that's part of what I do all right you do seem like uh, I do feel like you're you're someone that will get inspired by a sound and mm. or by a player or in a certain context and mm -hmm. then like you said you'll you'll then go towards that so like you're at home in jazz you know release jazz records and emma smith is jazz but i would not be surprised you know you say you're 30 years old i would not be surprised in in years time like there's some really crazy eccentric thing oh, yeah. and then, oh yeah and, you know you know what i mean because something's inspired you like you that's what that's what you do it's, it's um, absolutely true, and I, I am like an ADHD, ADHD musician. <laughs> I, I just, or like a magpie, it's like, where's the sparkly thing? Like, oh, I want to have a go on the sparkly thing. Like, what's next? Oh, there's another sparkly thing there, but it's pink this time, you know. <laughs> but um, I have to say, you know, I am, I am really um, content with where I'm at in terms of this um, delving into this tradition and this music, and I feel very honoured that I get to do it and I have these beautiful audiences and this incredible community here in London where we, we really um, build each other up and support each other as jazz musicians. This this music covers so many different flavours and different styles, but yet it sits in this improvisation kind of freedom of speech kind of place, mm. which is a really cool place to be in somewhere that I missed when I was doing like major label records as mm. a pop artist. I went through some madness, actually, you know, when I was signed, uh, when I just left college, I went and did a jazz degree. That's probably what killed my love for jazz, right. let's be real. And then yeah, I was like, yeah, yeah. no, thank you, no more of that. I've just done mm. four years of studying it. I mean, that's the way to drain the joy. Mm -hmm. But I certainly learned a lot, which I'm grateful for now. So then I went straight into the pop thing and 
it was there was moments where I was being um, the manager at the time called called it pop star camp, but really it was like fat camp, and I had to go to see a personal trainer every single day. Um, and I was told to be more nervous on stage what? because it was what? it was intimidating to my audience. It was my first headline show as as that particular project that I was signed. You being too confident up there, and something? I was just too comfortable on stage. You know, you guys have seen me yeah, live. Yeah, like yeah, that's yeah. where I'm at home. Yeah, Give right. me an audience, and I will have so much fun. And my and they said, do the shy way. Please, kind of thing. please try and yeah. be more nervous because it's very intimidating. You seem, you know, a certain <laughs> way. And I. Wow. I'm That's just trying to be as authentic as I can when I'm on stage. Mm. And it was almost like trying to put on a persona that I wasn't. So I'm, I'm very grateful for the support I have as a, as a jazz artist and yeah. um, really excited for the future. But that yeah. stood you in good stead and you've come around to, you know, the, the best version of yourself, which is your authentic self. You know, mm. and where, when anyone sees you now on stage, you know, you were good enough to come and do a live stream for us with the um, doing the Ella Fitzgerald songbook, which you've studied to a, a T. It's just unbelievable. Some of the like the dedication to the scats, they're just 100 like, percent on it, you know, Thank you, Nick. and, you know, you're well known around town. You do a lot of live gigs and stuff. So, you know, it's it's great that you've come back around to that. Mm. Um yeah. It will probably change at some point, as Al said, no, but, but right but now. I, I, but I love that. Like, yeah. I love that. Like, you know, you know, you know, you know who you are, you know what you do, and your records will be one way. But like, mm. I could totally see you popping up on, all, and on anything. Mm. And I think that's really cool. You know, not every artist is the same. Not every singer is, you know. And I think I, I was thinking about this the other day. People are, so earlier in the show, you said, oh no, there's somebody else that's blowing my mind now, right? When we were talking about listening to music. And we're finding so much new music all the time. Maybe it's in the, how accessible everything is now or everybody being locked at home or whatever. But I feel like now more than ever, the listeners are less cultish. Like listeners will listen to anything. Mm. And I think that transfers to musicians as well. Like musicians are, in the main, are very accepting to all kinds of music and willing to play all kinds of things. So I'm looking forward to anything that you're going to put out because I love the way you sing. And before we say goodbye, because you've got to go sing. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so That's it's, uh, an amazing sentence to hear. Like, I've had, guys, I've got a gig. How yeah. mad is that? That's wild. I well, know. you've been busy in lockdown, right? I mean, we bit. follow you on Insta. Or, Shh. You know. <laughs> Yeah. No, you weren't. You weren't like breaking code and singing no, no. In, in crowds, but but you got to go do a gig. And before we say, you know, tell us a little bit about. We're gonna. Nobody's ever heard this song. We're, we're Ish. Ish. exclusive of sorts, right? Exclusive of sorts. I did actually play this on the live stream. Um, mm -hmm. So if you guys haven't heard it yet, please go ahead onto YouTube or Facebook and check it out live if you want to. Uh, but this tune is my unreleased single. It's coming out on the 9th of October. It's very exciting to say those words. It's going to be self-released on my own label, hilariously called Wings Castle, because I eat loads of chicken wings <laughs> in my flat, which I call my castle, which is actually a tiny little flat. So, um, yeah, Wings Castle, big up my uh, one-man team. <laughs> big up the area. <laughs> and um, this is called The Monogamy Blues. Uh, the title is self-explanatory, and it's coming out, and it's inspired by the lyrics to um, a tune I heard Ella Fitzgerald sing the first um, tune I learned of Ella's which is called Making Whoopee which is all about a marriage going slightly skew with um, it's with the Jamie Sophia trio my boys uh, who I played with uh, a couple of nights ago here at Ronnie's or up the road at Ronnie's um, Connor Chaplin Luke Tomlinson and Jamie Sophia who also happen to be my best mates 
And um, yeah, please look out for the record. Oh my gosh! Yeah. Thanks for real. coming on. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you guys for having me. Cheers, Emma.